Welcome to the HR for Small Business podcast, where we discuss HR best practices, hot topics, strategy, and employment law changes that affect small business. I'm your host, Brandon Laws of Zenium HR. Our website is www.zeniumhr.com, where you can follow us, read articles, listen to our recent podcasts, or contact us. Thanks for listening and enjoy the topic in this episode. I'd like to welcome Rebecca Natz to the podcast today. Rebecca is a senior human resource business partner at Zenium. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something that you near and dear to your heart. You said you love the coaching aspect of uh, management and uh, leadership. So we're going to talk about coaching and developing the performance of employees in a workplace. Fantastic. All right. So let's dive in. Let's talk about what the objectives of actually coaching employees is rather than just management. So there's this notion of coaching versus management. So elaborate on that a little yeah. bit. To me, I look at management or I picture that word being around more of the skill enhancement and kind of increased efficiency of the employee and the job they're doing and the work they're performing for the department or for the company. And I look at coaching as much more along the lines of developing employees' engagement, um, their innovation, their loyalty, their retention, and all of those coming together to give a peak performance for the company. I think that without allowing your employees to be creative and the freedom to feel confident and to develop ideas and to grow, that you're not getting as much out of them as you as you can. You know, it's interesting. I just the last podcast episode we did, I interviewed a PSU professor on the subject of creativity and trying to engage your employees. Um, we didn't really get into the aspects of like the technical aspects of how do you engage employees. I mean, really, it was kind of a high-level conversation about getting your employees to feel like they have the right to be creative in the workplace. What are some ways that you've known uh, to engage employees at a, a high level? I think you have to know, one, what's important to them. So what are the, thing, what are the things that they are passionate about, that they find really interesting, the areas that they'd like to grow in? When you have something come up that gives them the opportunity to work into those areas, then taking the advantage to do that and letting them letting them spread their wings a little bit. So even if you're doing something as mundane as improving a process and you need new forms, if you have somebody who's really interested in design, let them do the design piece of it um, and finding ways to continue to keep them engaged and show that you're interested in their skill sets and their growth and who they are as a person. I've heard the the term servant leadership. Can you talk a little bit about what a servant leader actually is and then uh, maybe describe some of the characteristics that would fall under the servant leadership? So under the servant leadership model, there are actually 11 or 12 uh, sort of characteristics that you would see from listening and empathy, healing, stewardship, foresight, that kind of thing. But I think what they all come down to is, in, in my mind, how I tend to boil it down is that your team is there working for you and for the company, and they're there eight to ten plus hours a day. They're giving a good portion of their life um, to the work that they do. So I believe it's your responsibility as a leader to care about the whole person, 
and develop them as an individual and a professional and give them the room to grow and to do that and to show and to feel value. And so that's kind of how I approach the servant leadership piece, that I'm here not only to guide the work of the department and provide a service for the company, but also as a manager to pull roadblocks out from the employees who are trying to reach for goals and be successful in areas and who are trying new things too. So to help them reach those pieces using some of those characteristics of the servant leader. You, um, before we actually started recording, we you'd shared an article with me. It was called The New Leaders. It's really transforming the art of leadership into a science of results. So w- with that, how can leaders practice some of the different styles that they talked about in that particular article and be prepared to sort of adjust their styles as the situation allows or needs, yeah. needs it? I think that just as every individual is different, every situation and task at work can be different, and you can't have the same approach to each one every time because it's not effective and you're not going to get the results that you want. So I think with leadership, it's similar. You have to be flexible with who you have in front of you and the task and the person, and you have to be aware of what their skill sets are, what their fears are, what their strengths are, and how to really develop all of that together to get them to not only where you want them to be, but to where they want to be. So I think as you're flexing your style as a leader, they have several styles in the article it talks about from being a visionary leader, to being a coaching leader, to being a commanding leader. And there are places and room for each one of those. In particular, I think when you're looking at being a visionary leader, that situation might be best approached when the company or the department is going through a major change or struggle and people need to see the vision. They need to know that you have a vision and they need to know where they're going and in order to see the bigger picture of what their contributions are going to create. In contrast to that, there are situations where you do want to be a bit of a commanding leader and that could be where there's a major change in the company or or whether there's a big crisis or a problem, then you employees would like to see that there's somebody in charge and somebody who's making decisions, who's confident in getting past the crisis. And you need to sometimes in that case just make decisions and set people tasks and have them go and do the work and see that there's an outcome to it. But that wouldn't be the right approach in every situation. And in fact, if you overuse the commanding leadership approach, you'd probably alienate a lot of people and make them feel devalued at some point down the road. What's interesting is that like as let's say the life cycle of an, an employee and let's, I'll put my shoes in um, a leader, leadership position. Now, if I have a new employee that's starting, when that person starts, I almost feel like really I'm kind of at the manager level. I'm really trying to get to know this person I'm more directing than anything else. And right. it feels like almost over time, as you get to know this person, their what their likes and interests and their skill sets are, then you become more of a coach. Maybe talk a little bit about that and, and, and your experience in working with other clients and manage their position sure. yourself. I absolutely agree with that. I think that when you're first starting to work with a new employee, you're getting to know their skill sets, you're getting to feel your way um, with them in a personal professional relationship to, their communication style, the things that will motivate them and the things that will demotivate them, and what their interests are. And so I think there's a lot of transactional management and a lot of just exchanges of information when it comes to that. So I myself like to, I give questionnaires to my new employees that tell me things like, what motivates you? What are some of your favorite 
hobbies? What's your favorite color? What's your favorite this? So when it comes to rewards and recognition that I have some things to go back to that are meaningful to them, and that's important to me. I think that each individual, because as an employee, I'm an employee too, mm-hmm. and as an employee, I want my manager to care about me. In fact, I read a study recently that said of like 47 different factors that uh, or characteristics that a manager could have, the one that was voted most important, number one, from all the employees took the survey, number one, was that the assurance that their manager cared about them as a person. And I think that's really meaningful. I mean, it could have been wage, it could have been promotion, it could have been advancement. It could have even just been the more common things you hear, like being in the know and knowing what the company is doing. But this is one where people said, no, I want my manager to care about me as an individual. And I think that's really key. I think that's really important. I don't know where exactly I read this, but uh, number one reason why people leave is because they either don't get along with their manager don't like their manager and it's just really difficult to work for the person so I can I can totally understand yeah where you're coming from with that that's that's often that's often the case (laughs) so in terms of coaching let's go back let's go back to the coaching part how important is it to give employees assignments that really stretch them um, help them grow a little bit and get them out of their comfort zone as hard as that as that may be sometimes. Yeah. I think it's very important. I think that the, the ideal time for this, and if you were to talk to any of any of the folks who work for me, they would tell you too that I, I tend to stretch them when it comes to their goal setting and areas that I know will be good for them down the road in their career development, but I know that they may not be as confident in because if I'm not giving them a goal to do it and supporting them along the way, it can be hard for somebody to just do those difficult things on their own. So often that's where I pull in some of the stretch goals and I try to make it as friendly as possible the suggestion of the doing it I don't ever make anybody do something or tell them that they have to because they're not bought in and you need people to be bought in if they're going to try something new and be brave and so I'll often sort of make the suggestion of just think about this here's a goal that I have for you I know it's a little bit uncomfortable let me think about it let me know you know, what your thoughts are. Do you do regular check-ins and how do you follow Mm -hmm. up on these goals? I'm assuming you have some sort of document that you're trying to document the goals and where they are. Absolutely. We, I make sure that I have the goals um, printed out and I keep them in each employee's folder. And every time we have on a one-on-one, which we do our one-on-ones monthly, I go through and part of our discussion is how are you doing on your progress towards your goals? Do you have any roadblocks? Um, do you feel like you have enough time to get these done? Is this still applicable to what you're doing? And um, and just kind of a check-in of how they're doing and how they're feeling about it. And for those ones that are more challenging, giving them the encouragement to do that. Oftentimes for my group and the group that I manage, some of the stretch pieces have to deal with presentations and sort of that client service piece that has to do with presentations. And that can be really hard for people. So we will sometimes train and, and kind of role play and talk a little bit about it, and I'll give them tips that I've used and sort of let them feel their way. But we, we touch base on a monthly basis in order to keep that both in front of me and in front of them. I know there's been times in my career where at first I may have been so excited about doing something, whether my manager was encouraging me, and I was really excited about just doing it, just to be productive. Uh, I got into it and then just didn't fill me up. I wasn't super excited about it. So that said... The people you've worked with in in the past several years, you may have set some goals around some things that at first they were excited about, but then they really it just really wasn't applicable to what they're doing, or they, it wasn't filling them up. How do you address something like that? I think there's kind of two different approaches. I feel like if it's not applicable anymore, then let's not let's not take the time and energy to spend on that. 
let's refocus it to something else that's meaningful to the person's position or position that they are aspiring to or meaningful to the company. But if it's just that it's something that maybe isn't causing or isn't something that's bringing them as much fulfillment as they thought it would, I would say let's keep on track a little bit with that because our goals that we typically set are also meaningful to the work that we're doing. So it may be that the department or the team will still find value in the end product. Um, but I would still encourage them and support and maybe if we needed to adjust where that if it was a bigger goal, maybe that wasn't as much of a focus um, from their whole set of goals that they're working on for the year. But I would still sort of maintain it um, in that in that regard, in that instance. This next question may be kind of obvious on the surface, but I, I think I think you'll have some insight to this. The coaching and development what do you think over time, how does that play a factor in the growth of an employee versus just being the directive and authoritarian type of manager? Yeah. When employees know that you care, it engenders loyalty and dedication and commitment. And those are all things that you want. Those are all things that reap really good results um, for your team and for the company. But also, that's important personally to me as a leader that people thrive on my team and that they grow past what they thought they could and achieve things that they maybe didn't think that they could achieve and that's important for me to provide that opportunity I don't even look at it as and I'm giving them this this I'm I don't feel like I'm making it happen I feel like I'm allowing them the space and the tools and, and the, the resources exactly yeah. and the encouragement um, and the support to be able to rise up and meet those goals and to do those things that they didn't think that they would be able to do. And I think that that's key in maintaining somebody's professional development and retention of employees. And as we all know, retention and turnover is, is very expensive, but there's also an emotional impact to the team and the department when, when something like that happens. Sure. What, can you tell me what the major difference is between transactional management and transformational leadership yeah. is? When you're talking about management, I mean, sometimes people, you just have a manager title. So you refer to yourself as a manager and the people, you know, referring to managing people. And sometimes people get a little bit, they don't like that word. They feel like it's, you know, too directive. But there are some things that you're actually doing that are managing tasks. And I think that that's sort of part of the key difference. In transactional management, you're planning and you're budgeting, um, you're organizing and you're directing and you're delegating. Those are things that have to be done. Those are things that are necessary. But I don't know that they're, they're necessarily leadership. I think leadership comes in the strategy, in the vision, in the listening and the caring and the creativity. That's where I think the leadership piece comes in. We'll switch gears a little bit. Recently, and over actually the last several months, we've been talking a lot about emotional intelligence here at Zenium. Yeah. Um, how do you think that plays a role in the development of employees? Because that is a, it's a tougher subject to really grasp. I and mean, we talk about IQ all the time, but what about emotional mm-hmm. intelligence? I think it's absolutely vital. I think that, again, going back to that statistic that the majority of employees want to know that their manager and their leadership care about them as individuals, well, how can you do that if you don't know who they are as individuals? So I think it's absolutely vital that you get to know, again, who they are, what their fears are, what their goals are, what their hopes are, what their dreams are, how they like to be communicated with, the things that um, fill them up. And I think it's important that you that you know that about your employees, but also don't think that you can fully take advantage of 
the strengths and the qualities uh, of your employees if you don't know those things about yourself as a leader um, and knowing what's important to you in your relationship with your employees. So I think you have to also have that emotional intelligence about your own areas or your own emotions and your own wants. In particular, what Roger and Valerie Pease with Inspiration Works kind of brought to our group was um, this acronym called ICE. So ICE being the three main things that you need for emotional intelligence, which are inclusion, control, and esteem. And when you look at that, I think it intuitively makes sense that those are important. Um, But I think that those intuitive things can also be forgotten by the wayside when you have all of these tasks to be done. So I think a constant reminder of how are you and are you providing pathways for your employees to feel included, to feel like they have control in their roles, and to feel esteem. That's great. Great summary. I appreciate that. Um, give us some, give listeners some ideas of the things that have worked for you at the tactical level in terms of developing employees. So whether it's you know, meetings once a month, like you said, the one-on-one meetings, uh, maybe the certain forms you're using, um, just anything that's worked. Sure, absolutely. I think from the get-go, if we kind of look at a life cycle of an employee, one, I think the recruitment process is very important. And finding out not only can this person uh, complete the task that I, that I need them to complete in this role, but are they the right fit for the department and the team? And do they desire to grow and to do more and to communicate well? with their teammates. I think that's important. But once we have the person on board, like I said in the beginning, I like to get to know them as an individual um, and have them tell me a little bit about themselves and have an exchange of the sharing of that. What are some of their life experiences? You know, what's their family like? And if that's something that's important to them. And finding out what those things are, bringing those up in conversation and checking in. If somebody's going on vacation or somebody's going to a family member's wedding, then checking in and saying, how was that? How was the wedding? How was your trip? And showing a personal interest. Not only, and one, I actually feel it, so it's true. You know, I, and this isn't, this Authenticity, isn't just... Authenticity, yeah. Yes, it's very... I, I would hope that they, that they realize it's authentic, but it is. It, this isn't just, I'm checking something off a list because I think I should. I want... Um, I want to have that type of cohesive communication relationship with my employees. And that's carried over into our one-on-ones. And we talk and we usually go through, I have a couple things that I like to check off. So one is progress toward goals. So we review their goal sheets. I may ask them about some big project that they've been working on. And then I kind of let them set the stage for anything else that they want to talk about. And sometimes, I would say even oftentimes, it tends to be things that are more personal and just kind of what's going on in their life and some something they're looking forward to. And it isn't always just about the work that they're doing, but we're still making a connection and we're building trust. And I think that that's key. What I hear you saying is that the personal connection is one of the most important pieces of actually the coaching and professional development of the employees. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that a person can successfully be in a leadership role if they don't genuinely care about the success of their employees. Not just their department and their function, but about their employees. What about a manager or leader who's managing more people than they could, I mean, meet on a weekly or monthly basis, uh, 40 employees or more? I'm sure there's people out there that do manage that amount of that's true. That's true. My this the size of group that I manage is about is about twelve. So yes, for those who are doing double that or even triple that, this is hard. That would be hard to to fit in, and it's time consuming. 
but I think it's meaningful and it's purposeful. And I would say that there are ways to have those one-on-ones. Maybe they're shorter. Maybe they're every other month. Um, maybe some of them are over the phone and maybe they're combined with a meeting or a lunch or some other purpose too um, so that it makes it manageable for for the time of the leader. So it needs to be effective for the leader too and I think that there are ways to still do that. Um, I think it's a mistake to say it's too big of a group, I just can't do anything or I, I, just, can't, um, I just can't take that personal investment. In kind of rounding up this discussion we've had, is there a way to measure your effectiveness as a coach? I know that's probably hard, but I imagine some of it's based on the success of the the employees that are actually having and meeting their goals. Absolutely, I think that, and I and I remember hearing hearing somebody say once that you're an effective leader if you can be opposite and your team operates well without you, and. I find that there's meaning in that, that that's, that that's, that that's accurate. I found that to be meaningful. So I was, in addition to looking at the independence of, uh, of my team when I'm gone, I think that I also check in with them. I think checking in with your teams is important. Uh, peer feedback or 360 review. So people have the opportunity to give, um, some objective or, or, um, autonomous feedback is important, but also ask at the end of every one-on-one, the two questions that I ask are, do you need anything from me? Mm-hmm. And is there anything else that I could be doing for you? And I used to start off with just asking, is there anything more I could do for you? And then I thought, you know, I'm going to also ask if there's anything less I could do for them. Because I think that's a balance, too. Yeah. Sometimes people um, may find that they need less guidance. Mm-hmm. And and I just need to know that. And if I know that they feel more independent and they want to stretch their wings on something, then I try to be less involved with that particular task or function and let them take the take, take the steering wheel on that. So I think that's important. And those two things I think are really some of the most vital. So their ability to be independent without you and still be successful and asking for input and feedback. So yeah, the most important piece of this is really just keeping an open feedback loop that way the employees can let you know how much they need you on a regular basis absolutely and you had mentioned before how well they're doing and i think that that's an absolutely uh an important indicator as well so if your team is growing and people are advancing and they're achieving the things that they wanted to and they're following the curve path and direction that they want to and feel challenged but capable then i think that's a clear sign that you're doing a good job as a leader. Our guest today has been Rebecca Natz of Zenium. Thanks for joining the program. Thank you, Brandon. This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources, Inc., all rights reserved. For information on guests, or for interview requests, please visit www.zeniumhr.com or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.